Hi, this is GP Mac, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Okay, today I want to start out the podcast by reading a piece I just finished for the blog. Uh, it's about uh, the Biden administration and their attempt to sick uh, Merrick Garland's DOJ on concerned parents who are speaking out against, among other things, um, CRT and uh, overly explicit um, sex ed um, for our kids in school. And uh, you may have heard that uh, the FBI is going to uh, involve itself in the workings of uh, school board meetings uh, where these uh, these uh the concerned parents uh come to voice their concern about uh things like racist crt teachings uh things of that nature and so uh here is my piece that's going to be on the liberty relearn blog as soon as i can post it um so you'll be among the first to hear it. Um, it's called uh, Garland's Chilling Overreach. America is a divided country. Most of that division is deliberate. The far left has adopted a divide and conquer strategy. They pit rich against poor, black against white, male against female, vaxxed against unvaxxed, etc. From their own mouths, they have declared the system needs to be burned down and built back better. They believe a collectivist utopia will spring from the ashes of Western civilization. Towards that end, they have exploited existing tensions between various factions, and where there were none, they invented them. This has left America in a cold civil war, and one the Biden administration has recently turned up the heat on. Ordinary Americans who have decided to speak out against elements of this divisive ideology, particularly critical race theory, CRT, being taught in schools. School board meetings have been the venue in recent months for impassioned, sometimes even heated, comments being made by concerned parents, exercising their First Amendment right to air their grievances at school board members and other local officials. Recently, the head of the DOJ, Merrick Garland, has ordered the FBI to monitor alleged incidents of violence and intimidation. This is a move that is seen by many as an aggressive overreach on the part of the federal government into what should be local matters. This move is likely only to exacerbate the existing tensions between the left and the right. The left has over decades and increasingly been using higher education and public school system as indoctrination centers. This excerpt from a recent article on Breitbart by Paul Bois sums up what the DOGA is doing. Quote, days after a national organization representing school board officials lamented to the Biden administration about so-called hate groups intimidating 
Education officials, Attorney General Merrick Garland has directed the FBI to combat threats of violence against administrators. Without citing specific cases, in a memorandum issued on Monday, Merrick Garland expressed concern about a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff who participate in the vital work of running our nation's public schools. While spirited debate about policy matters is protected under our Constitution, that protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views, wrote Garland. This is a move, getting back to my prose, this is a move that is problematic for a number of reasons. Uh, it is an overreach into what should be a matter for local law enforcement. If a school board meeting gets out of hand, that is a matter for local authorities. The Biden DOJ wants to literally make the, a federal case out of such instance. This, as critics point out, would have a chilling effect on free speech. These alleged acts of intimidation against school board members and educators, one could argue, are being used as a pretense to use the might of the federal law enforcement to intimidate citizens and deter them from exercising their constitutional right. While no one wants to see anybody resort to violence or intimidation, these do not rise to the level that would warrant federal involvement. This move by the Biden administration will be seen as the president picking sides in the Cold Civil War. Not that many doubted which side he was on anyway. The left's indoctrination machine is in, in jeopardy with the awakening of ordinary people as to what has been going on for years now. And this will be seen as the Biden regime leaping to its defense. It is also part of a broader strategy on the part of many Democrats in Washington to paint anyone who speaks out against the left as domestic terrorists or white supremacists. The left used the events of January 6, 2020 to demonize all Trump supporters and job Republicans to the margins of society. They theatrically erected a fence around the Capitol and stationed 6,000 troops in Washington, D.C. to create the false impression that Trump supporters were plotting a coup. They now want to expand this treatment to concern parents speaking out against what they believe to be the indoctrination of their kids. This will only serve to ratchet up tensions between the left and the right in the United States something no sane person believes the country, nay, the world needs right now. And so that is my article, which will be posted in the Liberty Relearn blog just as soon as can be done. Um, I definitely uh, encourage you to check out and read the entire article. It's in bright. Bart, um, you can find the link. Uh, I will include the link in the, the show notes and in 
uh, once this is posted up online. So you'll be able to follow. I hurry, highly encourage you to uh, to look look up what's uh, what some people have said. And just to expand upon what I said in this piece here, um, I believe it really it, there's a couple of objectives that the Democrats are attempting to accomplish here, and all of them, of course, are, are related. Uh, one, of, co- of course, is that... Um, you know, kind of building upon the theme that they've established of the uh, insurrectionist Trump supporter. They're trying to now kind of expand that to include concerned parents who are worried about um, the over-sexualization of school curriculum, uh, about the uh, use of CRT language, in school curriculum now uh just kind of as an aside there you know the left and and the media the left-leaning media is trying to to, uh, say that uh, crt is not being uh, taught in schools and it's crt is just um something for uh, uh graduate law school students and that may be uh, technically true in, in that um, uh, critical race theory is um, taught in law schools and it is um, directed, well, it was, it was primarily directed towards uh, law school students and other college students. But what's happened now is it's been uh, further propagated. Uh, you have uh, authors like Ibram X, Kendi, uh, and um, who else? Uh, Robin D'Angelo, or yeah, or yeah, yeah, Robin D'Angelo with her book uh, "White Fragility." That's uh, and these are books. These this is our. These are uh, sources being used um, in school, in colleges. They're being used in uh, company uh, anti-racist diversity training. Um, You may have heard about the Coca-Cola racism training or anti-racism training uh, um, from a few from last year that... uh, referred to the works of White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo and uh, also uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Um, They use that as source material and all of that comes down from critical race theory. And so even if um, it's not the same critical race theory, like verbatim, that's being taught in schools across the country, in colleges across the country, uh, the essential ideas are exactly the same. Uh, those ideas being that, um, that uh, the white majority oppresses 
the uh, ethnic minorities in this and presumably every other country. And so that that's the whole thesis of their argument is uh, just another angle of the oppressor versus oppressed. Um, of course, Marx famously used that in his Communist Manifesto, you know, the uh, bourgeoisie um, oppressing the proletariat, you know, in class warfare. Uh, and ever since then, you know, they've, you know, the communists and socialists had limited success propagating the class warfare idea. Uh, they thought that there would be worldwide revolution in industrialized country. And the whole idea was it was a struggle between the classes. But when that didn't materialize, they looked for other ways, other differences between people that they, they could exploit to get the same kind of collectivist result that they were seeking uh, through Marxism. And one of those, <coughs> excuse me, and one of those um, was, of course, uh, with racial tensions between particularly between blacks and whites that existed um in particular throughout the early early 20th century uh, up until the the 1960s and 70s basically so they they sought to exploit that tension uh because you know the the class warfare thing wasn't going anywhere for them so they needed something else so they seized upon uh, the differences or the tensions that existed uh, between blacks and whites in this country. And so that's where uh, a lot of the CRT uh, teaching comes from. Again, um, the, the defenders of CRT teaching, um, they will tell you that CRT is not being taught in in uh in public schools it's not being taught in the boardroom but obviously you know the central themes of crt are being taught and again those being are the the oppressed versus you know the oppressor versus the oppressed and uh so they're doing that and what has happened in recent years is that parents have kind of awakened to what they're up to, um, what the school's up to, and they're starting to fight against it. You, know, you heard a lot about that starting last year uh, with a lot of parents. Um, you know, a lot, there was a lot of viral videos featuring parents speaking up at school boards, demanding to know why this racist clap chap trap those are my words um not that i can get them out of my mouth easily but it's racist clap trap uh, being taught in schools and it only further divides um white students and minority students so it's basically teaching racism and particularly you know, uh, Ibram X. Kendi's so-called anti-racism is indeed itself racism. Okay, it's just, I would call it revenge racism. But that's being taught uh, in 
companies across the country, as I mentioned, Coca-Cola, uh, but a lot of major companies also have used uh, CRT teaching and uh, also in the schools. And of course, that's not, as I mentioned before, that's not the only thing. Again, they, um, a lot of parents are upset about the um, hyper-sexualization of kids today. Uh, they feel like the uh, concepts of transgenderism and uh, alternative lifestyles of all types are being pushed upon uh, kids um, at too young of age. Um, we we'll wonder what would be a proper age, but certainly at a too young of age, um, they believe that the this ideology um, is being pushed upon their kids. And of course, they can provide a lot of proof to back it up. Uh, I remember seeing some video of a woman, I believe it was at school board meeting not too long ago, reading passages from a couple books that were available in the school library um, that, if I say, had pretty graphic uh, sexual content in them. Okay, and so I'm not, we're not talking about like catcher in the rye kind of stuff. We're talking about um, stuff that, you know, can't be, I don't want to repeat here on this podcast, but you can look it up. Um, when you get a chance on, you know, there's a woman, you know, the woman who talks about, um, explicit material being, uh, provided kids in the public school libraries. And so there's that. And of course there is the whole 1619 project, which teaches a distorted version of history, American history that claims that the United States was uh, started by white people in order to use slaves to enrich uh, themselves and other white people, which of course, you know, is not the case. I mean, yes, slavery existed, um, and there were slaves uh, pretty much from the beginning of the country, or at least from the genesis of the country, but um, one would remind those people that the United States was born on July 4th, 1776. So that is when Americans made a conscious decision to break from Britain. And of course, you can read the papers of the uh, some of the founding fathers that accused Britain of importing uh, to the United States. And indeed, that is factually correct. It was under the British that the that the fla- that the slaves uh, came to the United States. Um, this was done obviously uh, by various countries at the time. Um, you know, the uh, Spaniards used uh, slaves and from the Caribbean and South America, and also the French. Uh, but the 1619 project uh, improperly overemphasizes the uh, 
the part that uh, slavery had in the inception of the country, um, well, in the, in the inception of the colonies that later became the United States, and some of which. And so that's been known that that uh, what also is overlooked is a lot of the founding fathers um, didn't own slaves. They were against slaves. Um, and they certainly, uh, contrary to what the leftists uh, would have you believe, they did um, have that cognitive dissonance that would, uh, of course, would um, materialize um, you know, if you're writing that un, all men are created equal under the eyes of God, and you're going to put that in paper uh, on your country's charter, then yes, they did realize that um, that was more of an aspirational thing. Um, you know, as far as reality was concerned, it was uh, an ideal of the United States rather than a reality at the time. And of course, that was it took until the Civil War for slavery to finally be abolished in the United States. Uh, not for nothing, but it was the Republicans, uh, particularly Abraham Lincoln and the other abolitionists at the time, who decided to um, abolish slavery and, and that it was worth fighting a civil war to have uh, slavery ended in this country. Uh, and it was certainly worth it, uh, particularly to for Lincoln and the other Republicans to fight for or fight against the slave-owning South um, to reunite the country. And so luckily that's what happened. Uh, we won the Civil War and the Union was um, renewed between between the United States. And so you have those uh, three main things. Uh, CRT or elements, primary elements of CRT being filtered into the school curriculum. And of course, you, you have, um, you know, problems with, which, which uh, ask the um, the student to consider uh, social justice um, claims um, being made in the curriculum. And uh, parents, rightly so, believe that this is a bad thing. It's a, a racist thing. It has no place in our, our public school curriculum. And so they want to speak out against it. And then the other thing is, of course, as I mentioned, the uh, extreme sexualization of our kids, particularly in grammar school, kids are being exposed at a much, much younger age to the idea of alternative lifestyles. And the parents believe that this is that kind of thing is being forced upon their kids uh, in an attempt to normalize um, different lifestyles. Now, I mean, we can say that without making a moral judgment 
on those lifestyles when adults engage in, in those behaviors or, or in those lifestyles. But I think uh, at some point you have to acknowledge that uh, someone can be too young to be exposed to such ideas. And I don't think that's a, a far-fetched uh, or unreasonable complaint on the part of these parents who, who complain about that. And then, of course, there is the uh, bastardization of American history um, that, again, has a lot to do with um, pitting uh, different groups, you know, whites against blacks in this case, with regards to the 1619 Project. And, of course, you have the, uh, the atrocity. That's known as uh, Howard Zinn's um, history, his version of history that is uh, a historical abomination that's still being taught in public schools today, um, which uh, Howard Zinn himself admits that it was more to create uh, anti-American activists or anti-capitalist uh, activists. And that is, um, leads me to my next point, is that a lot of left-leaning educators in this country are pretty open about their aim to create a generation of activists, specifically uh, little social justice warriors, uh, environmental climate change activists. Uh, it is their um, stated intent to create a generation of activists to work for uh, leftist uh, social um, ideas um, and policies. And uh, so you have some of the educators themselves being just quite frank about what they want to do. Um, you have the parents becoming ever more aware of these things, and now they're starting to push back. And some of them are pushing back quite hard, making quite impassioned speeches. Uh, some, obviously, you know, are, you can hear they're, they're a little, there's a little anger, a little, little heat in their voices. But I would say that I know of seldom does it rise to actual uh, intimidation or violence. And even if it did, you know, it's a simple matter for the local police to come and clear that person out um, if they're if they're ap acting improperly or acting in a violent manner. That's not appropriate to public discourse. Now, contrast that to the left's and the Democrats' complete apathy to all of the social disorder that happened in the summer, particularly of... Uh, 2020, when you had rampant rioting, looting, um, entire neighborhoods being burnt down, uh, a lot of people losing their livelihood, um, you know, their businesses, their means of supporting themselves. You know, they had their stores being burnt down. This happened for several months during 2020. And also that extended to riots and uh, vandalism 
and arson in the nation's capital. You know, all of that was winked at by the left-leaning press and the Democrats and only became a problem for the Democrats when um, it started to hurt their polling numbers during the presidential election. And finally, they made tepid uh, announcements um, uh, condemning the violence that had already happened, which, again, they would regularly wink at uh, and sometimes actively support uh, Vice President Harris, now Vice President Harris, uh, either contributed, I believe she contributed money, or she may have even ran, I'm not sure, a um, a fund to bail out people uh, in the Minnesota riots and arsons um, during the, the summer of 2020, spring, summer of 2020. Um, so she was involved in fund for uh, bailing out people who were arrested during the riots. And now uh, she's part of that same administration that wants to ironically talk about what parents are doing um, and violence and intimidation when they weren't very uh, interested in fighting these things, you know, a little over a year ago or a year ago. Uh, they weren't too too interested in uh, countering uh, violent, much more violent, and much more uh, aggressive political intimidation than anything you see uh, happening in any school district in the country. Um, and again, this is part of a broader attempt on the part of the Democrats to paint all particularly trump supporters but but uh also all republicans as uh domestic terrorists or budding domestic terrorists now they want to extend that to these concerned parents who are voicing their their opinions um, and sometimes yes they are quite forceful and loud in voicing them but you know as long as they're not anybody, not not engaged in actual intimidation, you know, it this is not something illegal. I mean, it is their constitutional right. I mean, they don't have to be um nice or polite how they exercise speech. But again, it's kind of ironic who uh, nodded and winked at people engaged in much more egregious acts of political violence and intimidation just a year ago. So there's that. And what that all does is, again, it's the idea of divide and conquer. It's pitting groups of people, groups of Americans against each other. And of course, we have what I call the Cold Civil War. Um, and this will only serve, in my opinion, to exacerbate tensions between the two sides. Because now you give the appearance, if not in actuality, I would argue, you certainly give the appearance that you intend to persecute people of a varying 
uh, political opinion other than what the Biden administration and their allies uh, support. Uh, you know, in uh, announcing that they're going to have the FBI become active in investigations and looking into incidents of violence and intimidation. Um, first of all, the letter from this school association, whatever that is, um, didn't specify any acts of violence. Um, maybe there is a handful, small handful of ones that could be pointed to, but they didn't point to any. But uh, so we don't know what they're talking about, really, when uh, Merrick Garland announces that, uh, again, this initiative to uh, look into and get involved with uh, what should be local matters. And so this is um, another case, pretty obvious case of the Biden administration picking sides in the cold civil war. And of course, you know, doesn't take a genius to know what side he's going to be on anyhow, even before all this. But now it just kind of, this in a way formalizes his um, partisanship in this struggle for America's soul. And I think most of what is something that the uh, United States, people in the United States don't need at the moment, of course, have China with things on Taiwan. You still have the COVID situation to deal with. You have the mandates, um, which are part of it. These um, uh, worker you know, kind of uprisings and mass protests in Australia, where we can see where all of this is headed. When, when uh, you know, if the country goes along this authoritarian route, um, you only have to look as far as Australia to see what can happen in a Western-style democracy. And they have a mess over there. Um, what I would consider some serious uh, human rights violations in that country um, regarding the overextensive lockdowns and creating an inability for the people of that country to engage in commerce and every, you know, in just everyday freedoms. Uh, this, of course, is being done in the name of combating COVID, but it's usually, or it is, um, exploiting the fear of a disease in order to seize power, political power, and power over individual and uh, quell individualism, um, and to quell the spirit of individualism. And so it's not really theoretical where all of this can potentially go. Uh, if left unchecked, you get a uh, still, you know, Democrat, uh, nominally um, Democratic states, such as Australia, New Zealand, or Canada, uh, that turns into an authoritarian, even totalitarian state. Uh, basically, you know, you could say overnight, but certainly within a, uh, a short period of time, a short number of years, this has happened. Um, and, you know, I think, I believe that, uh, you know, once you 
lose their freedom, it's very hard to get that freedom back. And people who have taken those freedoms from you tend to be very reluctant to give them back. Uh, as people in this country are finding out. Um, of course, I've done entire podcasts talking about the COVID situation. It's gone, gone a lot of detail into vaccine mandates um, that sort of thing and uh, again I would point to um, Australia as an extreme example hopefully or maybe even not that extreme but one would say an extreme example of authoritarianism gone haywire in a democratic country and as I pointed out in my last podcast that uh, democracy uh, does not produce freedom okay for for democracy to produce freedom freedom has to be on the ballot and so those things don't necessarily go hand in hand and I spoke at length last time um, uh, the Democrats talk about uh, you know democracy 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 all over the place and saying that voter ID laws are an assault on democracy and uh, you know the events the unfortunate events which happened on September 6th were an existential uh, threat to our democracy which is complete BS it was just a few dozen idiots um, who uh, weren't even you know halfway successful in doing anything as far as accomplishing any kind of overthrow or insurrection so be that as it may um, you have a situation which I talked about earlier about you know this whole theatrical situation that the Democrats are doing around uh, December 6 or January 6 I'm sorry around January 6 uh, and now uh, around um, this the school board you know the problems in the school board they don't want have any dissenting point of view they basically want to outlaw you know if not in actuality at least de facto uh, the Republican Party and so that's what they're seeking to do here you know they want to paint uh, some mom who's concerned about uh, her son or daughter being taught to that they are oppressors or that they're oppressed depending upon the color of their son or daughter and uh, they don't like it and they they want to paint the people who are complaining about this uh, as domestic terrorists and again because this attacks the base, the foundations, the very, you know, this is one of the ways that the left has used to create this, the, these legions of activists, okay, these legions of nihilists and uh, Antifa types and Black, Mat- Black Lives Matter uh, militant types, you know, they they attempt 
to they, their objective is to create a generation of social activists for leftist cause, basically activists. Um, they basically want to create a generation of useful idiots. And people have caught on to that, what's being taught in their school, organizing each other um, and fight to fight against it. The um, state here is, is sees these parents who are concerned about their kids, what their kids are being taught, and speaking out forcefully, in some cases about what's being taught, and in some cases, you know, take upon themselves to run for school board election, which is something I would highly recommend. You know, if you have the time and opportunity to run for a position on school board, then, you know, now, you know, when would be a better time to do it than now? So I would encourage anybody who's thinking about that to certainly, you know, if you want to have the voice of what, you know, for what your kids are being taught, then that is an excellent way of doing it, is to become one of those people who decide the curriculum and who decide what is going to be teaching or taught in our schools. And so definitely, if you want to run for school board, I think, country needs you uh, if you're concerned about uh, racist doctrines being taught if you're taught if you're concerned about the over sexualization of our kids if you're concerned about uh, false history being distorted history being taught in our schools then uh, what better way than to become involved directly in how the, the schools teach and so yeah but the left, as I was saying, you know, this is a source of their power, and they see these concerned parents as attacking them. And what it, they're trying to do with the FBI, Merrick Garland, and the, the DOJ is this is a counterattack against that. Um, one could argue it's a counter counterattack because the original attack is against our kids and against our schooled against our, our American way of life by the leftists against our kids and against our schools um, and really what the you, know, you could say that the parents are are the ones launching a counterattack but anyway from the um, this is a counterattack against that against that resistance um, that's growing against their indoctrination attempts in the schools and so that's what it is because really they their movement has no power beyond what the people that they can indoctrinate okay if if there's no one that holds these leftist beliefs these collectivist beliefs then their movement loses its power and so this is a defensive move on the part of the left to defend one of their main uh, institutions, one of their bastions of strength and power. Okay, so they are, you know, and really this is kind of, in hindsight, this was very uh, predictable. This is a predictable move, if you think about it, um, that the, the left and the Democrats would lash out in such a way. 
an attempt to color concerned citizens as domestic terrorists. And again, you know, from the constitutionalist and legal standpoint, this has a chilling effect on free speech because now, and I think this is the true intent of what's going on, is, you know, someone who's concerned about what their kid's teaching, you know, they don't want any problems. They don't want to be put on some no-fly list or whatever that they believe that the DOJ might do. You know, they don't want to have their uh, careers ruined. And so this is an attempt on by the Democrats to make people think twice about resisting their leftist program. And and so this is uh, could be seen as an act of political intimidation against those parents, against those grassroots grassroots groups of parents, concerned parents, who are bringing these issues to the fore uh, with their local school superintendents and their local school boards. Um, so this is the left basically lashing out. Um, they see one of their power centers being threatened, and now uh, they're asking the DOJ, compliant DOJ, to leap to, to their defense. And of course, uh, Merrick Garland and, uh, and Joe Biden are only too happy to accommodate these efforts. And but really, I mean, there's it's hard to say what is the worst part about this, but uh, one of the most damaging parts, I think, is how this continues. This exacerbates the uh, current tensions. Uh, it ratchets up the heat of the cold civil war uh, in this country. And uh, it's, it's part of Again, the uh, left is now feeling threatened and they're rallying the troops. Uh, they're doing, using all measures they can, including the federal government, uh, which I would say this is an abuse of uh, the president's power, the DOJ's power. This is a misuse, uh, if not an outright abuse, of federal power, um, particularly when you have plenty of human trafficking going on, you have drug smuggling going on, you have problems at the border, you have problems with actual terrorists. I mean, I don't think they've given up and of course, now that Afghanistan has fallen to a um, terrorist sympathetic regime in the Taliban, I think we can expect only to see more of that in days, weeks, and years to come. And so I, I think that the FBI's and the, and the federal government's um, time and energy is better directed at those things than trying to invent basically a phony problem of people, you know, maybe getting a little heated at school board. You know. Again, not that any violence and intimidation to the degree that these can even happen 
at school board meetings. This this is under the purview of local state and local governments. Um, this is not something that the federal government should be involving itself with. Um, but again, it's all a part of this whole theatrics, this whole uh, gaslighting, if you will, of the American people, that there's an entire half of the country just about that is the enemy of the state. They're trying to, to paint all Republicans and free thinkers and people who want to be free and don't want to be indoctrinated by the left, you know, to paint those people as domestic terrorists and threats to the country. Which, of course, the, the actual threat to the country is those people who currently are in government themselves, positioned in powers themselves, you know. And it's to the left that's pitting people against each other in hopes to, you know, bring the whole system down for some wild fantasy of having um, some collectivist utopia rise up in its place, one that they just conveniently happen to be the leaders and masters of. Okay, they want, again, I've gone into this a lot uh, in past podcasts, but I talk about the blue state utopians a lot, particularly in regards to COVID how their actions with COVID translate into other areas, kind of betray their intentions, if you will. And so you have a large group of people on the left. And this is another battle. This is another front of the culture war. You know, you have the COVID regulations and you know, the blue states and the red states. And, but you also have our educational system. And that's another main front and of course the left are going to protect their interests um, because this is their their recruiting this is they're trying to develop their their base for recruiting you know these young social justice warriors and so this is not really in hindsight is not unexpected um we just wonder now now that we're kind of th- thinking in these terms you know what else are they going to do you know what other segments of society can they go after? You know, what other parts of their power base do they feel are threatened um, by this? And of course, I would suggest that maybe it's the movement against uh, social media, to, you know, particularly to break up a lot of the social uh, media monopolies that you have out there information technology monopolies break them up um, so I think you're going to see that too and I, I, I would predict that there's going to be more effort to criminalize people who speak out against that you know if uh, Amazon servers and uh, if Google can't do their and Facebook can't do the the uh, Democrats dirty work for them then, then they're going to use the power of the federal government too and of course you've already seen uh, this in the past when the uh, IRS was weaponized um, during the uh, elections um, you know, presidential elections and congressional elections 
a few years back when uh, you had a large group of uh, conservative and libertarian leaning organizations are trying to get uh, their their um, tax exempt status established and you had the um, the you had the IRS basically persecuting these groups through uh, rejecting their claims under specious um, causes or, or specious um, excuses and so you had that you had the weaponization of the IRS now of course the uh, Biden administration is uh, looking at ways to not just restart that but expand upon the weaponization of the IRS and of course and then we get into the current bill that's in Washington being uh, voted on in Washington. They want uh, to establish a um, currency czar, uh, basically, and they, they want the IRS to have power to look at your bank transactions if they're over a certain amount. Uh, they want to know about any bank bank transactions that you make uh, over $600, which of course um, would amount to generally a uh, general warrant is what it is. That's a violation of your Fourth Amendment rights against unreasonable search and seizure. Uh, they have no right to your private bank records. Um, and this is this, what they're proposing in this legislation that they're working on is just that they're trying to weaponize the IRS. Um, you can imagine the way it can be used. You know, if you buy a gun, you're going to get a, get on a list. If you donate to a candidate, uh, you're going to get on another list. Um, things of that nature. It doesn't take too much imagination to um, think of how expenditures of $600 or more could get you on a list. You know. He appeared to be flying or visiting the wrong people in their minds, and so that's that's going to be another front that also we have to uh, look at, uh, be concerned with. But um, this this situation with the schools, uh, Merrick Garland, you know, and Biden administration, you know, weaponizing the Department of Justice against moms and dads certain citizens um, that's going to be problematic um, as I mentioned before you know all the re all the reasons that I talked about in the podcast so and so that's it um, you know we will have to just continue um, this you know if you want to speak out against CRT or any of these other issues, um, you know, don't be intimidated. You know, you they want you to be intimidated. They want you to be silenced. They want your voice silenced because uh, they're protecting one of their interests, one of their vital interests um, on the left. And so this is them uh, kind of leap to the defense and 
using the power of full power of the federal government to um, what could reasonably can be construed as the federal government uh, chilling uh, free speech on these subjects. So, and this is just going to make our cold civil war uh, even worse because again, it's going to put more people. Uh, you know, more people, you know, kind of on the front lines now, as it were, um, than just, you know, your ardent Trump supporters. Now they're widening their dragnet to anybody um, who speaks out against the leftists, um, not just the ardent Trump supporter, but just concerned citizens um, who are not even, you know, who've never, you know, done anything political in their life probably now they're speaking up and of course the uh, execution of the left's plan to tear the whole thing down and build back better depends upon us tearing ourselves apart as a country um, which is um, completely unfortunate but that appears to be at least part of the motivation this decision. So, uh, you know, if you're concerned about what's happening in your schools, you know, don't be deterred. Don't be intimidated. Don't let yourself be intimidated. Um, because I think this is a fight worth having. And uh, I think that you know, you know, you can argue about other different social causes, but you know, I think that the people being targeted are mainly in the right can't think of any instance where they're not, you know, even if their methods could be over the top and maybe need to be looked at, sometimes they may get out of hand. That's a matter, if that does happen, it should be a matter for local authorities. Shouldn't, you know, shouldn't make a, make a literally a federal case have someone yelling at a school board member. But that's what seems to be happening. So let's leave it at that. And I want to thank you for listening again. Uh, follow us on libertyrelearn.com. Follow Liberty Relearned on Facebook. You can follow me, JP Mack, on Parlor. And uh, appreciate your comments. You know, don't be afraid to leave comments. Uh, however, you can on, on whatever platform you're using. Uh, don't be afraid to engage. And please, if you like this, uh, please tell your friends appreciate your support and thank you for listening hope you found this interesting uh, informative and uh, just as usual try and stay healthy happy and free and I'll see you hope to see you and talk to you next week thanks bye